0: welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and with silage ground being closed on many farms across the country at the moment, I'm joined by Chagas advisor Peter Lawrence from Tinnahili, County Wicklow, to get an insight into reducing costs while balancing silage quantity and quality. Peter, you're very welcome. Farmers are starting to close up silage ground at the moment. What's the first thing farmers need to consider?
1: This year with the costs of all income, costs have increased on farms Um, but I suppose we're now early April Um, so look a lot of people be fertilizing their silage um, ground and getting ready for the winter ahead but look I suppose the first thing farmers need to do is put a plan in place Um, that's the starting point and where I'd step one with that would be define I suppose what kind of silage the farmer needs like what's the highest quality is required on his farm. So does he need very high DMD silage for weanlings, other growing cattle, finishing cattle, or lactating suckler cows, say autumn calvers, or is he looking for moderate quality silage for say, um, dry cows, like uh, spring calving cows? So determine what kind of silage he needs, or does he need a couple of, um, you know, an array of silage, or so a mix of high and poor quality or moderate quality? um. The second question he has to ask and a part of the plan is how much of this silage you need? So what's the quantity? So he needs to do a fodder budget. So just to sit down, work out, you know, what their number of stock are going to be, um, how many months for the winter and what silage is required, um, to feed that stock. And then obviously is to kind of work out what area of ground they need to cut, um, based on, based on yields. That's great, Peter. And I suppose really
0: you mentioned that they're touching on applying fertiliser at this time of year. How much nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium does a crop of silage require?
1: Yeah. So I suppose the advice we'd give to farmers is if we look at maintenance alone. So how what are what are the essential levels of N, P and K? So nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium to grow a crop, a good crop of silage. So if we look at it um, for maintenance, so a crop will need, um, you know, based on a five ton crop per hectare, okay? Five ton of dry matter per hectare. So that's equivalent to 10 bales of silage per acre, give or take. So what that crop will need is 100 kilos of nitrogen, 20 kilos of phosphorus and 125 kilos of potash. So what that equates is about 80 units of nitrogen per acre, 16 units of phosphorus per acre, and 100 units of potash or potassium per acre. Um, That's what's required on a 5 ton crop per hectare of dry matter or 10 bales per acre of silage. And just to add to that, Catherine, um, sulphur deficiency is is most likely on light, uh, sandy soils that are free draining with low organic matter. So farmers should uh, try and spread 12 to 15 units of sulphur Per acre, so that can be added to the um, to the nitrogen source or the compound or spreading, um, and the reason for this is sulphur. It, it, it'll help nitrogen be used more effect more efficiently.
0: And what would be the best way to apply that requirement,
1: Peter? Yes. Yeah, so look, obviously, like you said at the outset, Catherine, with costs of fertilizer. Um, I suppose, in an ideal situation, if there's cattle slurry on the farm, organic manures, that's, that's the cheapest form of, I suppose, fertilising or getting a lot of your fertiliser requirements out, particularly for your potassium. Um And the reason why we'll, we'll use cattle slurry as an example is ideal, is the ratio for the requirement for P and K is 6 to 1, okay, for the crop. Cattle slurry is actually balanced at around six to one for P and K. So we'll say cattle slurry, um, um, we'll say our book values are roughly around 6, 5, 32. So six nitrogen, um, five phosphorus, and um, 32 um, for um, potash. Um, so fair enough, the nitrogen may change depending on how you spread it, but that is ideally balanced for. Your P and K requirements. So spreading cattle slurry at a rate of two and a half thousand gallons to three thousand gallons an acre, that should make up your P and K requirements solely. So then you can top dress um, with, would say, with your protected area, um, to make up, you know, your remaining say sixty units of nitrogen from a chemical farm. Okay. Um, obviously, if you don't have access to cattle slurry on your farm. Um look one would have to look at growing going solely chemical. So I suppose the compounds that are ideally suited to growing a crop of silage are something with high potassium levels. So you're looking at your O seven thirties, thirteen, six twenty, that kind of a, a a blend of a fertilizer. Um not so much maybe the, the you know, say your quotes wards. Because you're just not getting enough K in your slurry. Your cutsword is ideal to complement slurry, but to grow a crop alone without slurry, relying on your, you know, your 24, two and a half fives, there's just not enough K in it. So look, if you've no slurry, go in with a product like O730, 13620, and then balance it up with, with a bag and a half of protected urea, or two, two to two and a half bags a can.
0: With the price of fertilizer, Peter, that you mentioned, and Assuming farmers are using slurry, farmers might be considering reducing the nitrogen application. What consequence would that have?
1: Yeah, Catherine, and look, what we don't want is, say, this time next year is a shortage of fodder on farms. So, and the reason I say that is, like, nitrogen, that's the driver of yield for growing grass and obviously for growing silage. So, like like I said from the outset, if the farmer does if sit down with their advisor um or their agri consultant and do um do a fodder budget, see what they need, um your fertilizer nitrogen, your nitrogen is very important to getting that yield. So if you're trying to grow your ten bales per acre, um, you know, your target yield, like you're, there's not much room, you know, to, to cut your nitrogen. Um if you're going for, you know, trying to get most of your silage on your first cut, on your first cut round. Um, also, Catherine, to get the best bang for your buck and the best response from your fertilizer, um, growing as much of your silage ground as you could, or your silage crop, say 70, 75% of what you need in the month of May, and quoting, say, late May, early June, so growing it in April and May, that's when you get the best bang for your buck for your fertilizer.
0: And you mentioned, Peter, I suppose the high costs there are this year and farmers completing their fodder budget. But how can they best try to balance the quality and quantity aspect and how could that be achieved?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Catherine. And it's one I've been um, I've had a a few calls on. Um, Look, if we're to look at today's spot prices on the feed market, like for cereals, like, like the cost of ration has has been going up and it's gone up again in, for this month in April. So, look, one can only assume that come next winter, you know, feed, cereal costs is, are, are going to be quite high. So, look, for the farmer, you know, like he's in control at the moment. So in terms of being self-sufficient on his farm, like I think every farm should try to make the best quality silage they can. And particularly if you have... Housed wheelings, growing cattle, finishing cattle, um, even storing cattle that you intend to go back to grass next year. I think this is the year, more so than ever, to really focus in on how you can make high quality, high dry matter, digestible silage. When I say high DMD silage, like we're talking 75 DMD plus um, in order to... um, I suppose, reduce the requirement on purchasing in concentrate feed to supplement that diet. Um, because look, all the speculation is concentrate feed is going to be quite expensive um, next winter. So if we can minimize, our, I suppose, our exposure to, to to buying those feeds, the better. So like I said, catching so the farmer's in full control, he can make the management decisions now in terms of getting that crop fertilized, And also on the cutting date, you know, that's very important to getting high quality silage.
0: I suppose the research in Chagas Grange has shown there's huge differences of the silage quality and how that can impact on animal performance.
1: Yeah, catch it. Look, there's a lot of work done down through the years um, from Chagas Grange on national surveys and what have you, looking at silage. And look, was the I suppose the national average is always somewhere in the mid 60s, 65, 66 TMD. And that trend hasn't changed for the last 20 odd years. Um, and look, a lot of that is down to, look, it's down to management. And also, I, I suppose soil fertility plays a big, a key role in it in terms of um, fertilising crops you know, properly so they can grow to their full potential and be cut at the, the correct harvest date. Um, like harvest date is the, the main determinant on, um, you know, silage quality, um, cutting at, at the correct road stage.
0: You, you've touched on the harvest indeed, but what other factors will impact on the quality of the silage?
1: Yeah, so there's other factors there, catching obviously harvest date, i.e. growth stage is a big determinant. Um, we're also looking at other variables such as was the crop grazed in the spring, so you know if there was a heavy cover carried over from last back end, has that been um, grazed off and got rid of, I suppose, a dead boat in the grass, and um, so you're starting from a low base, um, a green base from the crop. Um, look, if there was lodging, so if it maybe was overlapping with the fertilizer spreader, um, you know that could tend to lodging or with heavy rain. Um you know there's potential loss of DMD units there, Um, you know also the weather and look this is towards some degree outside our control but look if there was like I said a, a lot of rain or whatever that could affect um, ground conditions um, at harvest look if there was you know soil contamination whatever that'll obviously that'll obviously affect it as well. Um, also grasses you know if there's a high content of perennial ryegrass in this ward Number one, I suppose it'll respond better to your fertilizer, but also in terms of preservation, that can that can, that can also improve better preservation for the silage, you know, in terms of higher sugar levels coating.
0: And I suppose in relation to weed control, Peter, it can be an issue on some silage crops. What impact could that have on quality?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Catherine. Um, and especially docks are often prevalent in silage. They like um, high... Um, high uh, potash soils. Um, but look, some of the work we've seen in Chagos with docks is, th- is the replacement weight from grass. So your dock leaf is shading out your grass. So in terms of a ratio, it's a ratio of one to one for a ton of docks is equal. To, it's replacing a, a ton of grass. So in a year like this, when you're spreading expensive fertilizer to grow a crop of silage, um, look, we don't want to be growing docks um, in, instead of grass, number one. Also, number two. Do you know if you have a, a high infestation of weeds or docks in the field? Look, you know in terms of preservation that can affect the conservation of of the feed, but also the feed value. Do you know the feed value of you say your your perennial ryegrass versus docks? Um, higher feed value in grass, obviously, or, or clover in this sward.
0: So it's important that farmers would talk to their advisor in relation to weed control on silage
1: ground. Exactly, Catherine. And if they're putting a, a plan in place, look, and if they're going to use herbicides, do you know, it's the plan it early enough that, you know, you're spraying in good conditions, in growing conditions, ideally. And, you know, you're going to be treating the weed at the correct growth stage to get, you know, maximum return from your herbicide investment. And also not to leave it too late, because sometimes I've seen crops of silage where, the docks, you know, they were fairly well developed, but you're bringing in a lot of dead material into your silage then. Um, so it's better to treat them earlier if possible.
0: Finally, Peter, you've covered a lot of points.
1: What are the top tips farmers should consider? OK, for the this year ahead, Catherine, obviously is to sit down and do a plan. So do a plan, determine look what kind of silage you need, your fodder budget, OK, um, and, and, and what you need for the year ahead. The second one is, like everyone's talking, the, the cost of fertiliser. So look, ideally, if a farmer has soil samples on his farm and has a history of the soil fertility, try to target your cattle slurry onto your silage ground. OK, um, like I said, it's well suited the way it's balanced and you're getting a lot of your K um, um, requirements from your cattle slurry. And then number two is, look, try grow as much as your silage earlier. Don't delay and try to, you know, uh, grow it later in the year. Try grow it earlier in the year. That's when you're going to get the best response from your fertilizer. So by having your fertilizer out in April and able to grow it in April and May and be able to go ahead in late May, early June. That's great, Peter. Some great tips and advice. Thanks, Catherine.
0: That's all for this week's episode. My thanks to Peter for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef Programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Katrin Egan and thanks for listening.